Welcome back. We are two preachers talking about leading through change. Just trying to figure this thing out today on the Two Preachers Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Two Preachers Podcast. My name is Ben James. I'm the pastor of First Church of Christ in Grayson, and I am in studio, as always, beside my good friend and fellow pastor, Joshua Caleb Schmidt, senior pastor of First Baptist Grayson. Uh, Ben, do you know what the difference between a senior pastor and a regular pastor is? I am not for certain. Six letters in the alphabet. Hey, good. Dropping knowledge this morning. Okay. And, and, and listen, you you sound all buttoned up this morning. I mean, that, that was nice. I felt like I need. I don't have a tie on, but I felt like I needed to straighten it. And... You know, you've been bringing these solid dad jokes, and I felt like I needed to bring one of my own. So you didn't laugh as hard as I thought you would. And to be honest, I'm a little disappointed yeah, in you. L- listen, it's, uh, when you live in a world of dad jokes, disappointment is something that you have to embrace. I'm not going to tell on my church <laughs> from this past Sunday, but... I dropped a very solid dad joke. Yeah. And it was bad. It was not well received. No, not at all. So, next time I have a better feeling about it for you. Yeah. Well, anyhow, let's move on. Uh, we're going to start something this episode called a ministry moment. Uh, it's going to be a quick hitting segment at the beginning of our episode, sharing a real ministry moment that each of us have experienced since the last time we recorded. Uh, This could be a high, a low, an in-between, a mountain, valley, river, however we want to term it, or it could be something that we're rejoicing over or something that we would have just rather not faced altogether, but just real ministry moments. So, Josh, since we recorded last, what have you faced? It's been a blessed week, man. We had one of our biggest outreach events of the year. We do a free yard sale. I know that kind of sounds oxymoronic, a free and a yard sale and the same thing, but uh, it's just people in the community, uh, especially people in our church who gather up clothes and appliances and things like that, and we give it away all for free. And we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that came through our doors. I uh, got to pray with a lot of people, share gospel with a lot of people, so it was a great time, man. How That's about so you guys? Awesome. You have a good ministry moment? <laughs> yeah, I do. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a good old good one, since I coined that phrase from my dad last episode. Uh, Sunday night, teaching Bible study. We're going through the characters of Hebrew chap- Hebrews chapter 11, Love it. The, the faith chapter, and we are at Noah. So we've taken two weeks and looked at Noah. So this was the second week. The first week, I made a, a, a little bit of an error, and I, I cut the time it built. It took him to build the ark in half. Instead okay. of 120 years, I said 60 years, and I w- got the Sunday school correction very quickly after service. In love, of, of course, course. Of course. Of course. But this week, I um, found myself, I was really on a roll, man. I mean, it was just... I was in the groove, spit flying. It was great. Um, and I found myself, I kept transposing the name of Moses into where Noah should oh, be. No. I kept calling Noah Moses. And that got me all Twitter-pated. Yeah, I, I mean, can't imagine ha- that anybody recognized that. About halfway, th- about halfway through, I was getting just flustered and Twitter-pated. <laughs> and then I began to tell the story of Noah releasing the raven first. And I got all kinds of m- confused and, and just... Downward spiral. Way off the rails on my account of what the raven did when he let him go. And then, uh, you know, I noticed my Sunday school teachers laughing again in the in the congregation. So, you know, after uh, after service, they were like, uh, do you even know? It's almost like, do you even know the <laughs> Are Bible? Are you really a preacher? <laughs> yeah. um, and so I decided that I was going to, I'm going to buy the ping pong paddles yeah. now. They've got to be red and green on, on each side. That way, during my 
lesson time, I can have this, my Sunday school teachers, mm. if I say a biblical fact and it's correct, they can green side me. If it's wrong, I can get the red side of it and we can go back and talk about I'm that. I'm sure so. that won't distract you at all. I love it. Yeah, Is 20, that a proprietary thing? Can I steal that? Yes, absolutely. Okay, good. Absolutely. Good 20 years in ministry and I'm still <laughs> just going in. And it took Moses this long to build the... Oh, wait a minute. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of my ministry. That's a good day. Let's get into our topic okay. for today. Let's talk about leading through change. Um, there, as we've talked about this, as we've kind of shared notes and yeah. thoughts and prayed about this, we really kind of recognize that there were two types of change that we typically go through as leaders, and that is change in a church that we respond to, change that's forced upon us, right. and then change that we create. Um, and you know, I think that both of us have some unique stories going into this sure. uh, because one of the things in public speaking is they say always you want to make sure that you share why you're qualified to speak on what you're getting ready to speak on. What uh, What's one of your stories of leading through change? So uh, in my pastorate so far, I've had to deal with both change that we respond to and change that uh, I've felt led of God to create in our church culture. Uh, but initially, um, our church was in a really unique situation, Ben. We um, I my father was the pastor before he is diagnosed with cancer um, in 2014 and just faced a really long battle mm-hmm. um, and during that time knew that change eventually would come but didn't recognize that it was going to come as quickly as it did and so uh, along that same season uh, I felt an intense call of God to ministry I surrendered to that and started preaching at other places was doing some supply ministry and honestly felt like God was calling me to another church uh, and around that same time my dad passed. So it was one of those situations where um, the church and I both wanted to give each other breathing room, and honestly, uh, my wife and I prayed, God, please send us to any other place um, than First Baptist Grace. Not that we didn't love the church, just knew that it would be very difficult to uh, to follow my father, and uh, as it turned out, that's exactly where God wanted us. And so the change that the church and myself were both forced to respond to was the death of a pastor. My father had served as my pastor for 30 years, um, and so it was very difficult to, in that season of transition. Um, but it helped me to appreciate God more, to lean on Him more, mm-hmm. and to appreciate the church more, to be honest, Ben. We were both going through this grieving process together, and it was a blessing to have one another. And mm-hmm. so to be able to steward the church through that while also having them minister to me was an incredible blessing. How about in your life? I'm sure you've faced tons of, of change in ministry. Yeah, well, here just recently, I mean, we're going through one now, uh, but most recently, I've been at First Church here for over five years now. Yeah, about a year ago, almost to the date, uh, we had an unexpected resignation. Our mm-hmm. senior pastor uh, resigned, and and then I stepped in as the interim, and you know, through that process of a you know new search for a senior pastor. I was the one they voted in. I'm not for sure how they feel about that now, but you yeah. know, it was it was good at the time anyhow. <laughs> but so we we had this moment of unexpected change. So that's been one of the most significant changes for me and and I think that was a little bit of an interesting dynamic because it did not and you and I both it didn't really require a change in churches. Yeah. Uh, we were both already there. Yeah, but it was such a such a dramatic change in all other areas. So that's kind of you know what both of us have been through, and you know we understand the challenge of just laying down this blanket statement sure. of leading through change, and like we're going to hit every area of it in one or two 
podcast episodes. It's just not going to happen because we realize that your season of change can be different of different than ours. It can look different. It can feel different. It can be completely different. But I do think that there are certain principles, certain steps, certain approaches that we all will take in dealing with the types of changes. Yeah. And what we're going to do here today is we're going to take these universal steps and approaches and actions that we've identified, and we're going to talk about how we can implement them in both change that's forced upon us and change that we're leading into uh, and change that we create. Because, you know, really the truth is this, these components are going to carry over to both of these areas, but the dynamic, the playing out and the approaches that we take as pastors and leaders will be completely different given the situation. Uh, So Josh, let's get a little bit of scriptural grounding here before we get into the practical application steps. What, What do you see in scripture that helps us lead in times of change? So Ben, I was just thinking about my own situation, and honestly, your situation is as well. Um, and I was just drawn to the book of James. It's one of my favorite books in the New Testament. Uh, it's the very first book I ever preached through, uh, Ben. And I was drawn to the very beginning. You know, this James is writing to a church that's struggling, and there's much, there's, there's a whole lot of persecution going on. And so he says about their trial that they're facing, that they should consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Hmm. But endurance <laughs> must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing. And so as I read the scripture this morning, been thinking through that, um, it just blows my mind to think that although God has appointed us to a trial, a force change, if you will, Mm -hmm. something that's coming that's going to have to redirect us as pastors and ministry leaders and redirect our church, he has appointed that to make us more like his son Jesus and to draw us closer to him and to make us mature so that when we face a similar change or a similar trial or another trial that may not be anything like the one that we're in, that we have this new level of maturity that's given us endurance, that's given us new faith to face anything that comes. And so that's a comfort to me to Mm -hmm. know that every single thing that I'm facing, God is not so far above it that he doesn't recognize or hasn't placed me in it to receive something from it. Amen. That's and that's so endurance and maturity. Yeah, it's so good. And I, I think what you're talking about there, it helps us to develop a history with God, too. You know, that's something that we can look back on. Yeah. You know, almost, uh, and, and, and that kind of leads me, segues right into mine of the nation of Israel when they crossed over the Jordan. You know, it says that they built a monument of stones that way that they could always be reminded of what God had done in their past. You know, there was that history there, and I think that that's one of the elements that you were talking about there of when this situation you're facing takes you into another one, then you can look back on the faithfulness of God in that season past and remember what he's done. But I I think that the Israelites crossing the Jordan River, once they begin to settle and inhabit this promised land, we see in the book of Joshua where it says that the manna ceased. And here you have a whole whole generation of people who have known nothing but the wilderness Mm. survival mentality that clothes not wearing out, you're not getting sick, manna's provide for you every day, and then you go into this really season of change that, I don't know, I'm like you, uh, that forced feels forced, but at the same time, I don't know what other word we would use. Uh, But they're going into this promise of something that they've looked forward to and heard talked about their whole life. And now everything's changing. And now instead of just going out to gather manna, 
they're responsible for growing their own food and supplying their own food. Uh, just it was still God's providence, but it looked different. Yeah. And that was a change that was kind of forced on them. And we we kind of see that in scripture. So as we talk about a few areas of application for you, the leaders in in your ministry, in your church, in your home, however, that you're leading for Christ and his body, I believe that there's a couple areas that uh, that we would like to speak to today and as far as practical application. I think the first one for me is just to recognize the importance of your voice as a leader. That's good. In particular, pastors. Uh, if you're a pastor and you're listening to this and you're going through a season of forced change, um, whether you view it as positive or negative or indifferent, never underestimate the power of your voice. That's right. Uh, don't get prideful with it because yours isn't the only voice. But understand that you are the voice that the congregation, the family as a whole is hearing. And they need to hear a confident mm calm voice that guides the church and directs continually our gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that in the midst of the storm, they need to hear a calm voice pointing them to Christ. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, being your father, I've got a two-year-old son, and uh, he takes on my personality. And so if I'm aggravated or agitated, uh, he picks that up, and he'll start acting out in the same way. And as the uh, under shepherd to the shepherd to the sheep at at your church, um, they'll do the same thing. If you're not confident, they won't be confident mm-hmm. in the season you're in. If they don't see grand displays of your faith, they won't be able to muster their own faith in those seasons. Right. It's good. We have to understand that uh, our, our voice as leader is so vitally important to shepherd through change. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, you know, I spoke a little bit just in passing. We are at yeah, you know, First Church of Christ here in Grace, and we are facing another season of yeah. transition and change that was forced upon us. And my first meeting with our elders, one of the first things I said is, what we have to recognize beyond anything is that this is not beyond God's sovereignty. Amen. This is not Amen. beyond God's control. He is not surprised by this. He's not overwhelmed by this. He has got this. And we have to keep ourselves focused on him. Amen. So I think that that's kind of the way that you can do that through force change and then recognizing the importance of your voice through leading a change that you're kind of spearheading or introducing or implementing. I think that your voice always has to be through God and through his word. Mm. Make sure that what you're speaking is filtered through him and his word. Because if we're spearheading a change, we have a tendency to want to develop our preferences right. and make changes of what we want. Uh, and sometimes that can be the change that God wants too, is the change that we want in our hearts. But if we're not constantly keeping ourselves and our voices filtered through God and filtered through his word, then our pride, our preferences, our desires seep through. So understand that Keeping your focus on God, even when you're leading through a change that you feel like he is wanting, your voice has to constantly be echoing his word as to why this change is important. You know, we get so mad at our church members just as pastors when they are so preference-driven. And brother, I've been that way a lot of times as pastor. You know, I feel like my preference, and you don't even want to call it that, or my desire uh, is the Lord's desire. And unless we've truly, genuinely, through prayer, through a season of prayer, um, figured that out, 
that's a problem. And the church can pick up on that really, really quick, wouldn't you say, Ben? Oh, it's very yeah. easy for a church to, to notice that you're being so preference-driven. So we, we've absolutely got to recognize that our voice needs to align with God's voice in this season yeah. through His Word. Amen. I, I think another thing is that we need to recognize that Christ is leading us as we lead. Amen. We're not the spearhead of That's this right. thing. Uh, we're not the tip of the spear, so to speak. You know, we uh, we look at when you look at that through the change that's forced on you. Um, I think it's a little bit easier for us to recognize and acknowledge our dependence on God during that because it's a change we may not have seen coming. It's something that we're facing that we didn't plan for, and then we're all of a sudden kind of knocked back onto our heels a little bit, and we're just like, okay, God, you've got to help me through this. But as we you know, recognize through the change that we're causing, if we look at how important it is, Josh, to keep Jesus at the center of that and mm-hmm. recognize that Jesus is leading us as we're leading others, I think that it may be easier for us to recognize that on change that's forced on us, but the change that we kind of cause, I think we have a tendency to get distracted from that and and have that pride flare up on us. It's very easy for us to do that. Just some practical application that came to my mind, Ben, as I was thinking through this. Um, One of the things that we absolutely have to be certain about is that we're people that are leading first from our knees. I mean, we're people of prayer. Everything that we're doing is bathed in prayer. I've told you this before, Ben, but I really like the Puritans, Mm -hmm. and Matthew Henry especially was such a great man of prayer. And one of the things that he said that has just kind of stuck with me, that's sort of become a mantra, is days of trouble must be days of prayer. Yes. So if you find yourself in a season of forced change, recognize again, this has been appointed to you by a sovereign God, and it's time for you to get on those knees and to align your will with his, Mm -hmm. recognizing that his plans and purposes cannot be stopped. And so, uh, pastor friends, minister uh, friends, uh, get on those knees. Man, my hardwood floor in my office has really hard been, but it's a really good place to recognize that, that God's in control. And also, when we're leading through change ourselves, and we're the agent of change, it's important for us to recognize that we have to pray leading up to that. This can't just be some preference thing like we've talked about before. We have to make sure that this is where God is leading our church. If I could just tag on to that a little bit, it's not only critically important for us to lead from our knees, but require that of your people. Yeah. As a church family, as an expectation, in your services, in your prayer times, be purposeful with your prayer times. Don't just, if you're going through through change, just like, oh, we're going to tag it into a little prayer here. Like, yeah. No, have purposeful pointed prayer and then challenge your people to pray in their prayer time yeah. about what's going on too. You know, it's sad at our church before, and I've been the guilty party in this, um, most of our prayer bin was just used as a point of transition in our service. Oh man, that we're transitioning. It's convicted in so hard yes, about that, man. Some I, years ago, this idea that um, we're just using prayer to get to the next point of the worship, when prayer has to be a humongous yeah. primary responsibility of the church. Yeah. And if our congregation doesn't see us as a praying pastor or a praying ministry leader, um, they're not going to be praying people themselves. And think about it from your congregational standpoint. They bow their heads to pray, yeah. and then they 
we're, we're done with our prayer and they open their eyes and boom, the praise team's back on stage. Oh, go. no, yeah. how'd that happen? You know, that's that's devaluing prayer. In in my opinion, absolutely. that is absolutely devaluing the fact that we're going before the yeah. King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the creator of everything. Amen. And we're going, hey, we're going to utilize this time that nobody's looking so we can make a yep. transition. Yeah. It's uh, awful. It just gives it's me awful. chills, man. Let me sidetrack real quick, yeah. Ben. Uh, you ever pray with your eyes open after you're like while you're preaching yeah. or anything like that? So I, I do that a lot because uh, I feel like I want to see what the general reaction to the crowd can is. Can Jesus hear us when our eyes are open? I don't know, man. That's okay. why I was getting ready to ask you. I'm so concerned <laughs> I'm glad, about I'm glad it. I got that one. Well, in well anyway, I had someone not long ago come up to me and say, "Hey, you have to stop praying with your eyes open. It's distracting me." And I was like. Why are you distracted if your eyes are closed, right? <laughs> it feels weird, right? Mm. Yeah, so if you're listening, person whom I desperately love, <laughs> not calling out any names or any particular, Lauren or anybody like that, but um, yeah, I'll stop doing My that. couch is open, brother. That's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. Another principle that came to mind, Ben, that I think is so important, um, in ministry it can get lonely, and that's Ooh, not yeah. just for pastors, mm-hmm. man, that's for ministry leaders. That's for lay people in the church. Uh, The enemy loves to isolate us from others who share this burden and joy of following Christ with everything that we have. And so it's so vitally important that when you're leading change and when you're responding to change, that you're sharing the load with other leaders around you. Amen. That's people Mm. in your church. That's people outside of your church through force change. If, If change is forced on you, Man, get with your buddies. I, I'm so thankful to have you been um, as a, a ministry friend, someone that I can bounce ideas off mm-hmm. of, but also somebody that I can bounce hurts off yeah. of. And when when it's a season of turmoil or trial, you have to find some someone both in your church and out of your church um, that you can share that burden with and change that you're leading. It's always a great idea to go to uh, spirit-empowered leaders like your friends in the church and friends outside of the church and say, hey, listen, I'm praying through this right now. Can you join me in prayer? Can you Amen. can you walk along this season as we try to figure out if God is really leading our church in this direction? Don't make this just about you and don't make this just about your preferences. Understand that God um, has placed leaders in your life, both in the church and out of the church, for the express reason of verifying His will for your situation. And so we have to do that, Ben. Yeah. So good. I'm, I want to take a moment and just whether I leave this in the episode or not, I'm going to brag okay. on my elders for just a little bit awesome. because we're in a season of transition, as I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And uh, our, our last most recent meeting, I said, you know, because last episode we talked about the seasons of ministry and how sometimes all of your energy has to go, but try to balance that out. I was telling them in this season of transition, here's what's going to be required of me. Yeah that I feel like through prayer that God is asking of me. But I also recognize that it's a season. And I made the statement that we are, we're continuing to develop a cultural change. Mm-hmm. We're defining the, D, the spiritual DNA of our church for this season. That's good. And I'm responsible for that. And I told him, I was like, I'm going to go through this season because at the end of the day, regardless of what area of ministry or what happens at First Church of Christ and Grace, and at the end of the day, I'm held responsible and I'm held accountable for that That's good. as the pastor. And one of them stopped me right in my tracks, and they said, you're not doing this alone. 
Do not think that you're doing this alone. This is why we are here. This is why God has called us to this. You do what you feel like you need to do, but don't ever put yourself out on that island like that Amen, to where you're doing that. So I just had to you know, shout out to my elders right yeah, there, man. I'd shout out to my elders, but I don't have any. <laughs> well, you can make them up right yeah, now. That's you right. Know? That's right. We'll just close this portion of the show up, not really with necessarily another application point, but just maybe some advice that I've learned throughout the years. And this is a statement. I have little note cards of statements and things I like to keep in front of me all over the place. My house, my office. I am. I am. I'm, I'm that geek. So, But realize that people aren't as concerned about what you're doing. They care more why you're doing it. That's excellent. Um, As you're leading through change, whether it be forced upon you or change that you are creating yourself, answer the why, answer the why, answer the why, answer the why until you are tired of answering the why. Because ultimately, people aren't necessarily opposed to what you're doing, but if they don't know why you're doing it, there's this natural defense mechanism of, of distrust of that we have been guilty of as a church of betraying the trust of our people from time to time. And that's a natural wall that comes up. And just understanding that, hey, this is what we're either facing or this is either what we're going to be doing. Here's how it's going to help the church. Here's how it's going to help the lost. Here's how it's going to help our community. And here's how it's going to help build the kingdom of God. And repeat that over and over and over and over again. Continually answer the why. Yeah, that's good. So are we ready? Yes. For our Segway music. music. It might have been the corniest thing we've ever done. So, So, yes, what you're hearing now, the giggling happens every time that we do that. To be honest, it happens every time I think about doing that. Like, I'm giggling all the time now, just segue music in my head. All right, so you know what's coming, Pastor Josh. What are you listening to? What are you reading? So I'm reading, I got a John Piper heavy day, man. Right now uh, I'm reading 21 Servants of Sovereign Joy by John Piper. I don't know if you've read it before, Ben. Mm-mm. It is excellent, man. Piper identified 21 people in church history um, that were um, shepherded through periods of suffering. So it's a good a good book to read um, to go along with our podcast. And also I've been listening to Ask Pastor John this morning, one of my favorite um, um, podcasts that I listen to. And uh, his podcast specifically was about how you can jumpstart your prayer life. And so shout out to Popper. I'm sure he's listening right now. Really appreciate the podcast. Listeners, go check him out. Really accessible, about 10 minutes. Really, really like it. Uh, What about you, Ben? I am listening to a podcast on the Unstuck Church. Uh, It's really, really good if you're a church leader, church pastor. uh, I I recommend that podcast for you. It's very good. And I have just recently began my yearly rereads of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings books. I read all four of those each year. Excellent. So just beginning that. Well, folks, thank you for enduring this. He that endures till the end. (laughs) Thank you for being with us for this episode as we've talked about leading through change. Uh, If you have any stories of change that you've led through, been faced with, 
um, you know, maybe some things that you have messed up through change because Lord knows both Josh and I have those stories Amen. as well. Yeah. Or if you'd just like to recommend different topics or show episodes that we could do in the future, reach out to us, two preachers talking at gmail.com. You can also reach us on our social media pages. And listen, shout out, shout out to some pretty awesome people on Facebook. We are nearing 700 likes. I think that means that we're celebrities. Facebook. So when when do I start getting checks for this, Ben? When do we get paid? Oh, you've not gotten your check yet? Come on, man. Oh, sorry about that. Well, hey, listen, couple listeners, we got some reviews here that we want to throw out. So if you will like, rate, review, subscribe, all five-star stuff, of course, and all Only positivity, five-star stuff. Uh, we will give you a shout-out. The first five-star review that we have received as a show, I, this, this seems fishy here. What does uh, that mean? From Gene K., S C H. Huh. Interesting. Wonder that that's that's yeah. Wonder who that could be. But anyhow, five star on the rate. And the review was great first episode. Looking forward to the rest. Well, thanks, uh Gene K S C H M. Uh no M. I appreciate no M. Oh, I'm sorry. I appreciate anyone who <laughs> shares the last initials of me and the first name of my mother. Shout out Gene Kitchen Schmidt, my mom. I appreciate you listening to the show. Uh real quick. Ernie, Ben's mom, Ernie, we're waiting for your review and your five-star rating. So right now, uh, mom of the podcast is Gene Kitchen-Schmidt. You realize with that, that any future food may be in jeopardy now after you bragging about her egg bread. We need those reviews, Ben. <laughs> need, listen, let's not get crazy and say we need that more than we need food. But, you know, it's, it's close, people. And then the next review that came in from Kev, D-E-A-C-C-A-R. Five-star review, titled with love it, exclamation point. My Said, man. Very helpful first episode. Thanks, Kev. We appreciate you. So, guys. <laughs> you want that shout-out. Smash so. that like button. <laughs> smash, smash the like button. Give us five stars. If they'll let you give us six stars, give us six stars. I don't know how rating systems work. Get those reviews in so we can shout you out. All right. Guys, we'll see you next time. See you guys.